Thank you for listening to this week's message from Go Church. We hope it encourages you today. For more information about Go Church, check us out online at letsgo.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. Go Church, can we just put our hands together? Welcome everybody who's sitting right next to you, everybody who's streaming, everybody who's here. You made a phenomenal decision to come to church today. My name is Pastor Nick. I'm excited about today. We are doing Tattoo Sunday. I kept thinking, are we doing like low back applications? Are we doing shoulder applications? I think we'll keep it to the arms and the forearms. It's going to be a good, fun day. Let's start today with a very important theological question. Very important theological query. Do you have a favorite cereal? Do you? Favorite cereal. If you have a favorite cereal, let me see a hand. Let me see a hand in there. You got a favorite, okay? Now, think all the way back to the childhood. Let me ask you a secondary question. Does that favorite happen to be Lucky Charms? That was a quick hand in the air. And you know you just eat the marshmallows. That's all you eat anyway. That's how you do it. So my mom, listen, my mom, growing up, my mom, super health conscious. She would always fix healthy things, always had some farm fresh things. And if she were to buy cereal, here's what she would buy. Grape nuts. <laughs> some of you are like, what's grape nuts? If you don't know what grape nuts are, just go out, scoop up some gravel, pour some milk on it, grape nuts. It's good to go. Have all the fiber you need for like a month, one bowl. Grape nuts, if she was feeling especially generous, Cheerios, the classic. If she was a little bit on the edge, she would go Honey Nut Cheerios. That's when we were living it up. There for a while, she went crazy, and she would buy Apple Cinnamon Cheerios. They don't even make them anymore. And of course, I would eat them all in one day because I loved it so much. And she's like, see, that's why we don't buy this, because you eat it. I'm like, isn't that the point? So my mom, healthy, but she would do something out of the ordinary, just every once in a while, I mean, maybe once a month, you would wake up on a Saturday morning and she would make something scrumptious surprise, right? So she started to make every once in a while, mom style, cinnamon toast, okay? We're talking about, look at the heavenly glow. <laughs> the right kind of bread, I don't even know what it was, spongy right, but the right density, almost like the same kind of toast you would use for a good French toast, right? Been left out overnight, ready to hold all the butter, so you soak it in butter, you marinate it in butter, you put the butter on top, you put it all in the pan, then you do the sugar and the cinnamons and brown sugar, all the stuff, you take it out when it's ready, and then you pour liquid sugar over it called syrup, and man, baby, you just go to town. And so this, in my mind, is the original Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> right here. And I consider this meal to be kind of my gateway drug to a struggle with cereal for the rest of my life. Do you notice any of these from any of your childhood, childhood times? Anybody born in the last 20 years are like, I don't recognize any of these. And they're like, who is Mr. T? I don't know anything about this. Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So I love Cinnamon Toast Crunch in my cabinet right now, in my kitchen. I do have Cheerios, I'll have you know. We also have some keto granola. Tastes like trash. We also have 
OG Cinnamon Toast Crunch, but at Sam's Club. So there's like eight boxes in one. You never want to run out. So I've got that, and I always eat that in a mixing bowl. <laughs> How many of you cereal lovers, you know you don't go regular bowl, right? You go big bowl, big spoon, lots of milk. Cereal, cereal, cereal. So, Becky, this was kind of rough for me. A few years ago, decides to switch up her diet and decides to go keto. It's hard to have a split household if you do keto. One person is happy, the other person is upset. It seems like at various times. So keto, I'm starting to learn about all these new alternative fake foods. Now they're real foods, but they're just alternative. And so we get all these things coming in the house, you know, like keto this and keto that. Well, come to find out, I didn't know this industry existed. There's keto cereal. And so I'm trying to be supportive. I'm like, you know what? Let's check out some of this keto cereal. I mean, let's look at the flavors they have. And lo and behold, they had cinnamon toast crunch. And they promised it was going to be just like the original. Plus protein, no sugar. I'm like, this is too good to be true. Let's order a box. So we saved for like eight months. It was like $2,000 an ounce. Like, am I buying drugs? Not that I would know how much something is for an ounce. It shows up, you know, I try to be excited about it, you know, I've been waiting, maybe a new alternative, a little healthier, I keep my cereal addiction going. And so I take it, I pour it right in the bowl, I'm excited, go milk, and I go straight in, hardcore, let me tell you, nasty. I mean, it was like somebody cut up a car. This is actually real footage of the cereal. I had fun making this video at the house because I really felt empathy. I was like, this is exactly what it feels like. It tasted like this. And I thought, this is deplorable, despicable, makes me mad. I'm annoyed. They said one thing, it's another, go in the trash, never going to eat this again. I go back, I'm like, I will try to eat some healthier things. But when it comes to cereal, baby, I am keeping the OG real cinnamon toast crunch in the cabinet. Can I get a witness? Can I get an amen, amen on cereal? Sometimes fake doesn't cut it. Have you ever felt that feeling? Something says it promises to be as good as, and then you get it and you're like, oh, this is not even close. That feeling you have, fake things. Fake food, sometimes the substitutes, sometimes clothing, products, sometimes people. What if our faith, now here's the tough question. It's going to hit you like it hit me. What if our faith sometimes tastes like that cut-up cardboard Amazon box with milk poured on top to the Lord, to other people? We talk a big game. Our marketing is on point. All the brochures, everything you see looks great. But really, when it comes down to it, it's fake. And just like that feeling that I had when I tore into that, I'm like, oh, this is disgusting. Could it be possible that our faith or what we think is our faith feels that way to other people sometimes? Like, oh, you talk a big game, but I see the way you act or don't act. And it leaves a taste in their mouth. What if it leaves a taste in God's mouth? Let's get into this today. Write this down right across the top of your communication card. 
I'm keeping it real with God and everyone else. Everyone say, keeping it real. Cinnamon Toast Crunch Real. I'm keeping it real with God and everyone else. We are going to get into the Bible today. Now, today's message is going to be expository in style. Many times in Go Church, we will do a topical message, which the style is you take a biblical truth and you build a case about that truth by using scriptures that are used in context to show a truth in God's word from different places and how we can apply it in our lives. We do a lot of topical teaching here. Expository style is more take a portion of scripture and you take all of the truth, all the application that you see in that portion of scripture and you kind of hang out there and use that as your primary reference text. Today, we're gonna be in James predominantly, James. And I want us to look at James. James is an interesting book, an interesting author. Now, pop quiz. Who do you think wrote the book of James? Take a guess. Yes. Why are you all so scared? And like, I mean, it, it probably should be James, but what if it's not and I say it and I'm wrong and Nick points at me? Somebody right up here, second row, very softly was like, James? Yes, James. A couple of interesting things about James. James, this is one of the first books written in the New Testament. It's one of the oldest books in the New Testament, one of the very first ones written. Written by James. Interesting fact about James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Isn't that weird to think about? Sometimes it's just weird to think about Jesus having normal life things in his life. It's like son of God, you know, all the things that we typically hear about in church, but Jesus wore clothes. He ate food. He grew up in a family. You know, they're 100% man, 100% God. So Jesus had half siblings, right? Same mom, different dad. You tracking with me? So Mary, mother of all of them, the rest of them, Father Joseph, Jesus, of course, father, the ultimate father, okay? Mary becoming pregnant with Jesus, miracle. So James is the half-brother of Jesus. Now imagine Jesus being your older sibling. That's some pressure. Can you just see Mary like, well, Jesus never gets upset. <laughs> Jesus always helps with the dishes, James. Jesus is probably like, snap, dish is done. No, I doubt it. So James, think about, don't give James too hard of a time. Think about what it would take for you to believe that one of your siblings was a child of God. This might be the biggest, greatest miracle in all of the scripture that James actually believes in Jesus at all. Because there was a time in his life he didn't. Actually, the Bible records that Jesus' family predominantly did not believe in this whole Messiah thing, this whole, like, son of God thing. They were like, mm, I think Jesus might be a little off. Seriously, they didn't believe. It wasn't until Jesus was crucified, dies on the cross, peeled off the cross, put into a tomb, and then God resurrects him from the dead. And of course, they see him after this. They're like, whoa, something is different. Game changer. So if you have a hard time every once in a while believing on some level in Jesus, what he can do, don't be too hard on yourself. His own family didn't for a while. So check this out in James. He's writing 
to one of the very first groups of people, churches. He's writing to Christians. So you're here, you're in a church. Many of you are believers. Some of you are checking it out for the first time. You are all here in a great place. James chapter 2. We're going to read a sizable portion of Scripture. So get your brain ready. Activate all the cells, all the synapses, all the things. Take in oxygen. Here we go. James says this, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Remember, we're keeping it real. Everybody say, keeping it real. Can that kind of faith save anyone? Then he gives an example. Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing. Now, this is a Christian brother or sister. This would be like another person in the church that's a believer just like you. Suppose you see a brother or a sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, goodbye, and have a good day. By the way, stay warm and well-fed. Good luck. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue... And I'm kind of with James on this point of sarcasm. Sometimes sarcasm is my love language. I've got to keep it in check, okay? But I'm with him on this. Some people may argue some people have faith. Others have good deeds. James is like, suppose, you know, somebody's saying, well, not everyone's faith is the same. I mean, James, you might seem to be a bit closed-minded. My faith, after all, is a little bit more verbal, I like to discuss faith, ruminate the faith. We like to talk about those in need of food and clothing and debate the various solutions that politics and government could provide. But we'll sit here and eat from our cutery board and wear our nice warm clothing as we do it. Some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Now check this out. You say you have faith because you believe there is one God. Well, good for you. Now a little sarcasm there. Good for you. Look what he says after that. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Demons have pretty good theology. They were made in heaven, created by God, fallen through pride. They believe in a one true God. And it scares them to death. Believing that there's a God is not anything special. Demons believe that. So what? Your belief. If all it is is just talk. You're just talking a big game. It tastes just like Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Believe me. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Don't you remember our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar. That's weird. Are we talking about human sacrifice now? I don't know. Check it out for yourself. Just write down Genesis chapter 22. Go read it for yourself. Verse 22, you see his faith and his actions work together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened, just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God 
Now we get to verse 24. Everybody say, oh no. Oh no. I'm getting flashbacks like Instagram. Oh no. Oh no. Oh no, 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 no. Oh no. Oh no. Here we go. Verse 24. This is a problem verse. This is a verse where some people point and say, look, there's contradiction here. This is controversial. Maybe there's mistakes in the Bible. Maybe we need to throw the whole thing out because it doesn't make sense. Verse 24. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Everybody say those four words. Not by faith alone. Let's do it one more time. Not by faith alone. If you've read much of the Bible, you're like, "Mm, wait a minute. This feels awkward. Verse 25 uses another example. Rahab, the prostitute. Now we're talking about prostitution in church. I'm telling you, the Bible's interesting. Okay, we've got possible human sacrifice, we've got prostitution, we've got war, we've got all kinds of things. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions. When she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. If you want to get more about this, it's kind of like the Children of Israel version of 007 Spy Games. Go read Hebrews 11.31, Joshua 6. 22 through 25, and our last verse, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Give yourselves a round of applause. That's the longest portion of scripture we've ever read here in like six months. Good job. You did it. You're paying attention. I could see it. Let's see if we can summarize. Belief without behavior is dead. Faith without action is dead. But flip it. Action without faith is dead. How do these two things coexist? What's the symbiotic relationship between faith and works and works and faith, action and faith, faith and action. He is so, so clear. You've got to take action unless you see it making a difference in your life. You're just pontificating. You're just lecturing. You're just discussing possibilities. If it doesn't trickle down, if your faith doesn't trickle down into the actions that you take, it is clear. A real faith you do not have. It's like you've taken that Amazon box, cut up and dumped some fake cinnamon on top, and you're trying to get by. It's not the real deal. We're going to keep it real with God and everyone else. James uses the famous person Abraham. I love this. This is like the hero. In some cases, of the entire Old Testament, the father of faith for the children of Israel, the Jewish people, he trusted God. He stepped out. He's an amazing man, like the hero, the classic, like big hero. That's on one end. And then on the other end, he uses an example of Rahab involved in prostitution. Think about that scale of activity. But yet both are mentioned in the Bible for their faith, taking action. So no matter where you are kind of on that spectrum, maybe you're kind of a hot mess and you're trying to figure it out. Maybe you just gave your life to Christ. You're trying to move forward. Maybe you're a veteran believer. You've been believing in God 20, 30 years. The expectation is the same. Unless there is fruit on your spiritual tree, there is a problem with the root of that tree. He uses this extreme scale 
And I love that because to me it says the kingdom of God is for everyone, not just a certain kind of person. And I love that. So we're not going to skip over verse 24. In Go Church, we don't skip over the difficult things we push in. We push into things like sexuality. We push into things like social justice. We push into things like racism. We push into things that are a part of our real life. Do we have all of the answers for every single thing? No. But we can see so much truth and principle in the Bible. And here in Go Church, we are committed to be unified in the essentials. Have liberty in the non-essentials. And we're going to figure that out as a group. So verse 24, here we go. People struggle with this. Let's break it down. Everybody say break it down. Break it down. Verse 24, let's read it again. So you see we are shown to be right with God by what we do. Everyone say do. Not by faith alone. Are you seeing the trend here in James? Do, 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 do. Action, 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 action. People struggle with verse 24 in James if they've read other parts of the Bible. Especially some letters by Paul. Especially a letter called Ephesians. Look what the Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 2, about faith and action. Verse 8, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then look at verse 9, not by works. So that no man can boast. So you got Paul saying, look, it's not about works. It's about grace. It's about faith. Then you got James, and he's like, it's all about works. Unless you have works, you don't have faith. So Paul is like, faith. James is like, works. It kind of feels like it's working against each other. Like, where is the unity in this? This feels like a mistake, or it feels like something is off. Well, here's the mistake. The mistake that is most often made is thinking that they are talking about the exact same thing. What they're talking about is different. So let's get into this. Paul is talking about that moment in your spiritual life where you are born, spiritually born again. That moment when you realize your need for Jesus. That moment where the Holy Spirit has drawn you closer and closer to God and you realize you might not understand it all, but you realize I have a need for this God. I have a need for Jesus Christ in my life. Paul is saying this moment, this doorway, this is the picture I like to think about with Paul. Paul is talking about the doorway, that moment that you walk through the spiritual door of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said of his own self, I am the only way. Not a way. I am the only way way, the only truth, and the only life. No one comes to the Father except through me, a doorway. What do we do with a doorway? We go in and out. We go through. Paul is talking about the doorway. James, I believe, is talking about the spiritual pathway. If Paul is talking about being born, James is talking about growing up. When you walk through the door, then you get onto the path. Paul's talking about the door. Can we just be reminded today, the door of Jesus Christ? We cannot buy that door. Elon Musk couldn't buy it. He can't even buy Twitter. (laughs) Elon Musk can't buy it. 
we can't buy a relationship with Jesus. We can't earn it. We can't do enough good things. We don't deserve it. We didn't buy the door, make the door, construct the door, paint the door, hang the door. All we did is receive an opportunity to go through the doorway, through his life, through his death, through his resurrection. We have been given it. This is why Paul says it is grace, because grace is something that you give someone when they don't deserve it. And we are the recipients of God's grace. Do you believe that? Go church. Let me hear you say, let's go. You're in go church. You can let's go. Paul, doorway. James, pathway. As you're walking out your faith, faith is going to be converted into actions. If it's not, it's not real. It's simple, but not simplistic. It's simple, but tough. Evaluate your own lives, not other people's lives in this moment. Evaluate your own life. So what's the bigger picture here? You know, in Go Church, we always read the Bible in context. And so we're going to go back to Ephesians chapter 2, the one we've already read, verse 8, and we're going to finish it in context. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, and this, not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, grace, a gift, something we don't deserve, Jesus Christ. Not by works, so that no one can boast. But then look, we always read the Bible in context, right? Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. This is the expectation, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Craig Bloomberg writes this in his commentary where Paul denies the need for pre-conversion works, James emphasizes the absolute necessity of post-conversion works. James calls a faith that does not bring about a changed life dead, lifeless, and useless. Think about that nasty keto cereal, like that Amazon cut, it is good for nothing. We're gonna keep it real. It doesn't mean we keep it perfect, but we're going to keep it real. We're going to keep it honest. When we blow it, we're going to ask God to forgive us. We're going to ask other people to forgive us. We're going to come back stronger, follow him again. If we make a mistake, pick ourselves up, wash ourselves in his forgiveness again, come back stronger, come back stronger, come back stronger. Paul is the doorway. James is the pathway. So how can we do this? I want to give you two big actions. Write this down. It's the first one. I will serve someone else. So how do we take this truth and make it happen? right? Truth that isn't applied or faith that doesn't turn into action, I think is fake. So if we don't take this biblical truth and do something with it, we become hard-hearted, calloused, and strange. Not the Christians, not the followers of Jesus that God has intended. Something different from that. So here's the action. I will serve someone else. Get practical with this. Remember early on in the scripture that we read in James, he talked about if you see a brother or a sister, right, who's cold or needs clothes or needs food, what does James say? Do something. Do something about that. Don't just sit around and wait for somebody else to do it. Don't make excuses. Well, they might not like my clothes or they might not like this food or, you know, it might make them feel awkward. Or if I bring this up, we just excuse ourselves out of miracles all the time. 
just justify our way out of it. He's like, take action, take action, take action. One of the things I love about Go Church is we are consistent in serving with one of our mission partners called Urban Outreach. Urban Outreach is a ministry in five points that helps people who are struggling, helps people who are experiencing homelessness. I'm talking about adults all the way through kids. You would be surprised. Some young ones that come to Urban Outreach, and they come as families. And every fifth Sunday, there's a month that has a fifth Sunday, Go Church goes and physically serves and helps and organize the pantry and the clothes and the blankets and the underwear and the socks and surf food and clean up. And we support this ministry every month. Well, I had an opportunity to serve alongside the Cook family. And so I was serving some food, and we were doing some clothes things. And one of the things I remember about this the most was seeing Maggie, Adelaide, and Alice. We were kind of hanging out, and people would come up to the table, and they would say, hey, do you happen to have a pair of size 10 shoes? Or do you happen to have a shirt that's this size? And so the girls turned into like these fashionistas, like the runners. So they're like on it. They'd run downstairs and they'd pick out all these selections and they'd bring them back up. What about this? And then we have this. This is from our fall collection. You know, it's like (laughs) Urban Outreach signature shoe collection here. And it was so cool to see the girls' faces when they physically saw need, physically saw someone who needed a little help. And they were able to feel, I can be helped. I can run down these stairs and pick this out, bring this up, and their, their face smiles. It just helps them a little bit. Is it going to change their life? If you've ever been in need, sometimes you don't need somebody to change your life. You need a meal. You need a blanket. You need a safe place to sleep for the night. Let's maybe get off of this. I'm going to change the world, and can you help me get through this night? To see their faces, to see Brian and Lamandra modeling the way for their kids. You see, they didn't just have like some three-ring binder and going through the content of here's the value of serving in the kingdom of God. Let's go, just go through the scriptures and go through the stuff, and we're going to teach you. There's nothing wrong with that. But you can't replicate what happens in your heart and in your spirit, in your soul, when you learn someone's name. And then you start to pray for them. And then you go back and you see them again. And they're doing a little bit better and a little bit better. I've been privileged to be able to speak there and to see people respond. And God is moving, but it's because Brian and Lamanda were intentional about showing their kids faith without action is dead. Think about how you can apply this in your own life. Serve someone. Watch your neighbor's crazy kids for a night. I mean... There are some kids, that actually is a sacrifice. (laughs) Watch your neighbor's kids. You see somebody in Go Church who's sick, sick equals I'm bringing food to them. COVID, I'm bringing food to them. Hardship in the family, I'm bringing food to them. If you can't cook, I am door dashing it for them. New baby, I am bringing food, I'm bringing love, I'm bringing all the things. We have the newest member of Go Church here today, actually. Damon and Lindsay Vinciguera has brought Ava into the house maybe a week or two. Two! Oh, can we, please, can we just, can you stand up a little bit, just a little bit? Can you just turn it? No, you can't, it's okay. So, Becky couldn't take it any longer. Like, Becky's like, I gotta see the baby, gotta see the baby, gotta see the baby, gotta bring the thing. She's like, said, I don't care! 
We're going to go see the chocolate air place and Stanley Marketplace and buy the dark chocolate, the real chocolate, the chocolate chip cookies, all the things, bring it over. I've got to go do it. She doesn't do that kind of stuff because she's a pastor. She does it because she's a Christian. Think about how you can serve someone else. It doesn't have to be fancy. It's just unselfishly choosing for somebody else, giving God the glory, giving God an opportunity to do something in somebody else's life. Now, maybe you've heard the excuse, well, well, Pastor Nick, well, let's not get crazy. If I do it for them, then I've got to do it for... Don't you hate it when that excuse is used on you? You're like, I'm not asking you to do it for everyone. Would you just do it for me? What you can't do for everyone, do for one. That is just an excuse. If I do it for you, I've got to do it for everybody to do nothing and to live in apathy and to get used to justifying your way into whatever feels easiest, whatever feels most convenient the rest of your life, and you're missing out, man. That's the first thing. Second thing is this. I'm going a bit long, but I'm sorry. I'm just excited about the message. I'm a sorry, not sorry. The second thing is this. I will jump into action, action-oriented. So James uses Rahab as a powerful example of somebody stepping up. I'll give you the basics of Rahab. Rahab, involved in prostitution, is how she made her living. She was living in a town called Jericho, the children of Israel, or God's chosen people, they were about to go to war with people in Jericho. They're trying to figure out how to best do that. So they send some 007-style spies into Jericho to kind of get the lay of the land, figure out what's up, how are we going to do this. So the authorities have gotten wind of this, and they're on the search for these infiltrators, these spies. So they ended up in Rahab's place, and the authorities are coming, and she hides them. So they come in, they're like, where are these people? I mean, imagine like a scene from a movie. Where are they? She's hiding them. She was risking her life for these unknown spies. So she's recognized as a person of faith. Now think about this. Do you think this was in her five-year plan? I mean, do you think she really had looked into her calendar and she like circled the day, yes, spies are going to show up on this day and they're going to hide them in this room. I'm going to prep the room, get snacks, get a Capri Sun, you know, get it ready for them if it gets hot. No, it has happened, Right? She responded. She jumped into action. Sometimes we can't predict all of the needs that God is going to bring our way. We're not responsible for fixing every need in the world, but we are responsible for addressing and fixing the needs that God brings into our circle of influence and to refuse to do so. I say, and I think the Bible says, there's something up with your faith. What do you really believe when it's inconvenient and you're tired and you're stressed? Do you think the cross was convenient? I am believing that Go Church is going to embody that attitude of jump in. I'm going to jump in. We're about to get back into school. Students are sad. Parents. He want to clap. It's like, is my kid in here? I can't clap too loud. It's like, school's about to start. Can we jump into action? When you see a need, can you jump into action? Just jump into action. I'm telling you, your life will start to grow. You will start to move forward in your faith. When you start to see opportunities, you jump into action. When dinner with the staff is happening, jump into action. You don't know who you're going to meet. 
You might meet somebody at dinner with the staff that God turns out to use in your life to help you grow so much. And it started with a conversation and some pizza and a meal. When growth track comes around again, jump in. When small groups start, jump in. When an opportunity to lead a small group, don't come up with an excuse not to lead, jump in. When that neighbor has a need, jump in. When that coworker has a need, jump in. You don't have to fix everything for everybody. But doesn't it say something about our faith? When God brings a need into our sphere of influence that we can make a difference with, and we step in, we say, how can I help? I'm gonna jump in, I'm gonna go first, I'm gonna risk it, because God risked it for me. There's a story I read about a woman named Lauren. This was in Australia, they were at the beach. Lauren was there with her small kiddos and she heard what parents in this room will understand, moms in this room will understand. She heard another mom yell out. Now, parents in the house, especially the moms, you, you understand the mom tone. Like you understand the tone of like, that kid is just getting on their nerves and they're yelling at them. And then the tone of like something wrong is happening. This mom starts to yell and Lauren looks and sees her two kids being swept out into this rip current. I mean, it's getting sucked out. This mom is yelling and she looks around, nobody's doing anything. Oh, and I forgot to mention, Lauren is eight months pregnant. She jumps into action. She runs down in the ocean and she starts swimming, 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 and she gets to the boys and she holds their heads up. And as she's holding their heads up, she starts to sink. She's sinking, she's sinking. She thinks she's gonna die. When at the very last moment, she is grabbed by a guy who's also connected to another person. What had happened is they saw her run out there. She didn't know this, but as she was running, she sparked a little something. They started to run. She didn't wait for somebody else. She saved those kids. They saved her. Lives were changed because she took action. She can't save every life ever in need across all beaches on the entire world. But every once in a while, God will bring somebody across your path and he needs you to be a first responder in the spiritual world. A first responder, not second, first. Look for that this week. Make a commitment. I'm gonna serve somebody, I'm gonna jump into action. My faith is going to turn into action. Do I see enough action in my life? Am I trying to be good enough to earn it? Well, that doesn't work. I can't just do good things and earn it. I want you to get it right today and take a step forward. Let's pray. God, we need you. God, help us to be first responders. God, help us to see the need in our community. God, help us to push forward. God, help us not to get so busy that we push you out of our calendar. We push you out of our life. We allow good things to get in the way of God things. God, help us to do fewer things average and to do, and to do more things with excellence, God. Help us to see focus bringing impact in our life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone said amen. Mm. Let's just be soft here for a minute. Just very simply, Jesus loved you enough to give his life for you on the cross. He paid the bill for your sin and mistakes, mine too. The Bible says that if you'll confess with your mouth 
that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer today and to take that first step in knowing him. If you want to make Jesus the Lord and the leader of your life, pray this with me right now. Jesus, thank you for speaking to my heart. I ask that you would forgive me of every sin. I'm making you the Lord and the leader of my life, and I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to this week's message. To stay in the know with Go Church, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at letsgo.church. You can also download our app from the App Store by searching Go Church. Have a great week and God bless.